Proactive is a word that we are all striving for just about all of the time. Well, today we're going to talk about being proactive with your nutrition and your eating so you can be successful in all areas of your life. Stay tuned. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Redefining Balance. I am Jenny Stemmerman, your host, and I'm so excited that you are here to hang out with us today. We are in the middle of a series all about helping you be the healthiest version of yourself possible. Now, when we talk about being healthy, we automatically think about nutrition and exercise and vitamins and, you know, all of those things. But we don't always think about our approach to eating and trying to find a different mindset around it because We all have kind of an all or nothing mentality sometimes when it comes to nutrition, and it doesn't have to be that way. I'm so excited for our guest that we have today because we're talking about being proactive with our eating, fueling our body for the life that we are living, even though every day it might look a little bit differently. And it's going to be a really great discussion. You guys are going to get so much out of this. We're talking a lot about like even the psychological, mental parts of our brain that we use for decision-making when we're hungry versus when we're not hungry. I mean, it is good stuff, and I know you're going to love it. To join me for this discussion, we have Adrienne Delgado, who is a registered licensed dietitian. She has almost 20 years of experience in outpatient nutrition care. And you guys, she has a huge practice that her and her husband do together. He's a massage therapist. She's a dietitian. They have a team of other massage therapists and dietitians in their practice. And they are quite successful at it. In addition to that, she's raising five kids. So she definitely gets what it is to be a busy working mom. But she puts God first in front of everything that she does. And you're going to hear her talk about how that influences her mental approach to eating and health and nutrition and all of those things. Now, in addition to her practice, Adrienne is also an author of a book called Nourish, Eat, Repeat, A Busy Woman's Guide to a Healthier Mind, Body, and Life. And she has a podcast of the same name, Nourish, Eat, Repeat, that you should definitely check out. Now, a lot of what the tips that Adrienne gives us and and the information she shares is around proactive eating, really thinking ahead to what it is that we are going to need and fueling our body accordingly. And, you know, it's so true with so much of what we teach here at Your Life Rocks that it's all about being proactive in what you do. And if you want to be more proactive, if you need those systems to kind of cut that chaos that's causing more of a reaction mode to everything around you, I highly encourage that you check out our new course called Weekly Success Planning. Yes, we've had a course, Weekly Success Planning, for years, but it is a brand new version of Weekly Success Planning. It is still free. And you can get it by going to weeklysuccessplanning.com or go to yourliferocks.com to learn more. All right, now let's get into my interview with Adrian. Adrian, welcome to Redefining Balance Podcast. I am so excited to have you on today, especially for this discussion. I was just sharing with Adrian before we got started that this is the first time we're really kind of taking a different approach to a health topic. And I'm really excited to be talking about proactive eating today because we try to be proactive in everything that we do. So why not our health as well? Adrian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. So share with our listeners a little bit more about who you are. Okay. So uh, I am a registered dietitian. I actually co-own an outpatient nutrition practice with my husband. We originally started out, he's a massage therapist and I'm a dietitian. And we thought, hey, why have two separate businesses when we can 
bring our talents together. So we opened up a practice in 2013. Started out where I was the sole dietitian. Again, he was a massage therapist. And today we've grown that practice to 10 dietitians and five massage therapists. So we're very busy. We love what we do. Uh, We also have five children. So that keeps us busy on the home front. But I just feel blessed every day to be able to meet so many amazing people on their journeys of health and just walk alongside them and encourage them and teach them. Yeah, it's just, it's a privilege to do what I do. So that's just a little bit about my practice. (laughs) That is so awesome. God is so good to be able to bless you know, what he's called you to do and then just kind of bless it even bigger, which does make life very busy, especially with five kids. How old are your kids? My oldest just turned 16. Um, and then I have an almost 15-year-old, 11-year-old, and then twin nine-year-old girls. So three boys and then twin girls. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Teens are like a whole new game. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important to note too that, you know, in terms of our business and our family, like I pray daily for God to like grow the business as big as he knows we can handle with our children. Because that's one of the main reasons I went into outpatient nutrition is because family was really important to me and I wanted to have a balance of both. So even though there are times where I really want to grow things and expand, I'm always praying that God, you know, my heart and you know, how big of a business we can handle with our children and still and not having them sacrifice because of our dreams. So I think that has been a major role in where we're at today because we've never lost sight of that. I think that that's so incredible. I mean, we could do a whole episode. We might have to invite you back just to talk about building a career that allows you to do the things that God is calling you to do and and have success in the career arena while still having family be your first and foremost, because it's definitely possible. And I think so many people think it's either or, or there's always going to be something sacrificing, but that doesn't always have to be the case. Right, exactly. And like, so when you ask God into the conversation, it's never, the answer is always going to be good. So it's just trusting that that way, it'll happen the way it's supposed to happen and not getting ahead of yourself before you're ready. Amen, sister. Amen. So how did you come to be a dietitian? Like, tell me a little bit about how you found this career path for yourself. So I actually started out as a pre-med major in school. Funny enough, I was part of this club called the Future Health Professionals Club. It was, I was such a nerd in school. (laughs) (laughs) And um, we used to have different physicians and doctors and specialists come into the club and talk about their specialty, like cardiologists and pediatricians and gastroenterologist, you know, to kind of help guide us to see what direction we wanted to go after medical school. As all of my, you know, colleagues are asking these great questions about the skill set that these specialists have, I'm raising my hand and asking, do you have a family? Do you get to see your kids often? And, you know, after asking that question enough times, I realized that wasn't going to happen with this career path. I, you know, I always loved science. I loved medicine. So I knew I wanted to help people. So I just thought doctor. That was the first thing that came to mind. But I realized that my dream of having a family was going to have to take a back seat if that was the career path. So after that conversation with that one doctor, I signed myself out of pre-med and I opened up the course catalog and I thought, all right, what classes can I take that I don't have to completely lose 
my calculus, my organic chemistry, my physics, like all those hard classes that I went through. And I stumbled across nutrition, took my first class and never looked back. So it was actually, I can thank the doctors in that future health professionals club for where I'm at today, because without them, I I wouldn't be where I'm at. Isn't it so great? I love, I love how we can sometimes look back at our journey. And I'm sure when you were in the midst of it, it was not like this clarity. <laughs> I'm sure oh, there was a, a lot of like, oh my goodness, what did I get myself into? And now, da, da, da. but you can look back and just see God's hand on how he, you know, opened doors, closed doors and, and provided some clarity to the path of where you are right now. Exactly. Yeah. I think it goes with saying there were a lot of tears and frustration and yelling <laughs> yeah. in there too. So I have to note that because it wasn't all, oh, okay, I'll just do this. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. I think that that's encouraging because I think we, you know, as we go through life, we all find ourselves back into that spot of questioning, like what in the world is going on right now? And what is your plan, God, and, and what you have going for me? Because I just can't see it. But I think when we can keep reminding ourselves of all the time that he was faithful to see us through to the other side, it just gives us that much more hope for our current situation. Absolutely. I can agree more. So on the nutrition front, being that you have this huge practice now that you've built and, and helped, I'm sure, so many people on their road to health. Today, we're talking about just a different approach to nutrition because I think nutrition can be so overwhelming and there's so many different parts to it. But you have a, a different approach of going about food in a more proactive way. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So I have this concept called proactive eating that I like to teach. And really, it stems from you know working with so many people. And, and I predominantly work with women in my practice, but they will struggle with low energy levels throughout the day. They're constantly dieting, trying to figure out what is their way, what approach is going to work. They're mentally exhausted, physically exhausted from the workday, from taking care of kids, doing all the things. And then at night, they tend to eat everything that's not nailed down in the pantry or the refrigerator because they're hungry. They're starving, they're exhausted, and they're not quite sure how to cope with all of those big feelings. And so what I do is I teach this concept called proactive eating, where we eat in anticipation of what our activity is going to be. I think for so many women, like I said, when it comes to the dieting realm, we think, all right, well, I'm going to eat as little as possible all day, and I'm going to be really good, right? This is the words we use. I'm going to be really good today. And so we eat, you know, Maybe we eat breakfast. Maybe we just drink a cup of coffee and hope that gets us through. For lunch, we have a salad with grilled chicken because that's what we're supposed to eat if we're, you know, going to try to be good, right? And I put good in air quotes. And then usually around two, three, four o'clock, everything starts to catch up to us. So all that hunger that we've suppressed all day long and we start picking and we may pick in the office, you know, in the break room, because people always bring food from home, yeah. we might pick there. If we're working at home, we start picking at food as we're cooking dinner and we pick and we pick and we pick. And then we make dinner because, you know, our families are expecting a meal and we're not even that hungry because we just ate a meal's worth of calories while we were cooking dinner. But, you know, studies show that we need to eat with our families at and, you know, there's so many positive parts of that. And so then we eat dinner and then we feel guilty because, oh my goodness, now I just overate. I completely blew it. You know what? I'm going to just finish off the ice cream tonight and just get it out of the house because tomorrow I'm going to be good. 
Oh my gosh. The mental notes of everything that you said is so real. That's exactly what happens is from like the picking to the, I'm just going to eat the ice cream to get out of the house. Like it's so true. That is exactly what happens. Yep. And then what do we do the next day? Well, we know what we ate last night and that wasn't good. So today we're going to have to double down and be even better. So we get even more restrictive. And we think that the problem is the evening eating, you know, the quantity that we're eating at dinner or the picking before dinner or the ice cream and cookies after the kids go to bed. We think that's the problem. So we think, well, I just need to not do that. But we don't realize that the problem is our lack of intake earlier in the day. That's what's causing the overeating or the binge eating at night and the feeling of out of control. It's because we haven't fueled ourselves appropriately during the day. And so we can't fix the evening until we fix the daytime. It just doesn't work. We can't not eat during the day and not eat at night. I mean, it sounds like common sense, you know, <laughs> to be to be eating that way. But we sometimes get just trapped. And we think that, like you said, doing good in air quotes, that this is the right way or this is the way that's going to repair what we did. But really, it's just like that mental switch of not being reactionary about what you're doing, but really kind of being more proactive. So how do we make that switch? If we're always in that cycle, how do we kind of switch it to go the other way? That's a great question. So you're right. It's, it, I don't think anybody intentionally tries to eat this way. It just becomes, you know, we're just trying to catch up from what we did before. And then before we know it, we're in a really bad pattern. So, you know, part of this is thinking about, all right, let's start at the beginning of the day. What is my anticipated activity over the next, we'll say three to four hours? All right. We're going to eat for that. So what I like to do is in the beginning, I don't know how much is going to fuel you because you're a different person. You know, it's all relative to your height, your weight, your age, your sex, your activity level. So I can never tell somebody, you need to eat, you know, a half a cup of cottage cheese and a quarter cup of blueberries. And that's going to fill you up for three to four hours. It may or it may not. (laughs) The only way you're going to know that is if you try it. And so what I always recommend is, is let's say you eat breakfast at seven o'clock because you know, from seven to say 10 a.m., is a very busy time for you. It's a very productive time for you. It's where you get a lot of work done. So you're going to need energy to get that work done. So you try something. Say you eat, you know, a bowl of cereal or you eat a waffle with peanut butter or you eat some eggs and a piece of fruit. And then you see how long does that fill you up? I say it should be about every three hours or so that you're putting something in your stomach just because that keeps us fueled well and in terms of how long different nutrients last in our stomach, carbs last in our stomach, very, they go through very quickly, about half an hour until we digest them. Proteins can take up to two hours and fats can take up to three hours. So if you're eating a balanced meal, it should take about three hours to move through your stomach until you start to get hunger signals again. So if we chunk this up and we try to eat about every three hours, because that's when food leaves our stomach, how much food do you need? to get from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Only you can answer that. I can't answer that for you. How you know it's enough is you ask yourself the question, how do I feel around 9.30, 10 o'clock? If you're starting to get hungry, then you've probably picked the right volume. If you eat at 7 o'clock in the morning and by 8.30, you want to eat your left arm off, then you didn't eat enough, eat more. (laughs) 
And if 10 o'clock comes and you're not even thinking about food because you're still really full from what you ate at seven, then you probably ate too much and you want to cut back a little bit. But the whole point is we're just trying to get from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. How much fuel do you need? And then once we get to 10 a.m., you know, how much fuel do you need to get from 10 a.m. to lunch? And maybe from lunch to the afternoon, from afternoon to dinner and dinner to evening. Does that make sense? Am I explaining yeah. this okay? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that that makes perfect sense. I was just thinking as you were talking, you just took like a week and said, okay, I'm going to really just take this week and be intentional about listening to my body and figuring out what I need. Because I'm always thinking like, you know, I always hear great ideas and then I think, okay, I want to implement that and then life takes over and I never get to. And so I'm always thinking like, okay, how can I make this work for me? So if you took like a week to be able to like really listen to your body and try to figure this out, and obviously I'm assuming every week would be a little bit different based on where you are in your menstrual cycle and and everything else that's going on hormonally in your body. But I was thinking even just like setting like an alarm on my phone to have those check-ins to say, how am I feeling? What is my hunger level at? those type of signals. Do you find that that kind of works as an exterior structure to help you be successful? In the beginning, yes, especially if you're not clear on what your hunger signals are. So that's something that I spend a lot of time working with my clients on. What are your physical hunger signals? Because so many of us are responding to emotional hunger signals, but not necessarily physical cues. I don't know if you want to go into that or not, at this time. But that's just something to think about is, am I actually physically hungry? Is my stomach telling me it's time to eat? Or am I stressed out? Am I overwhelmed? Am I exhausted? Am I you know, procrastinating? Because I'll be honest, that's something I struggle with, especially working and running a business. There are tasks that I don't like to do. <laughs> and so, oh, let me eat instead. And that's not a physical hunger. That's just a procrastination tool. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I actually recently discovered this about myself as well as when there's things that I don't want to do and I'm working from home, I will wander into the kitchen <laughs> and yes. I'll find myself with the pantry doors wide open. I'm not hungry. I just don't want to do whatever task I need to do next. And exactly. so I'm procrastinating by looking at food. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it's important to note that this proactive eating it's kind of like when you drive a car. Like, let's say you want to drive cross country, because I know you're on the West Coast, I'm on the East Coast. So, if we're going to go visit each other, right? You know, I think what so many of us do is we try to go throughout our whole day and, you know, we're working, we're busy, we've got lots of things on our plates, and we don't want to put any gas in the car. And then, once we get to the destination, then we're going to fill up and let the car sit there overnight in the garage with a full tank. Instead, I want you to think like, all right, if I'm going to come visit you and I'm in Pennsylvania, so how much fuel do I need to put in my car to get me to Ohio? And then once I'm in Ohio, how much fuel do I need to get me to Indiana? I think that's the next state over. (laughs) (laughs) And as you go, you know, you're just fueling yourself because honestly, when we break it down, food is so many things, but first and foremost, it's fuel for our bodies so we can do the things that we were called to do. And we want to honor that by giving ourselves the appropriate fuel. Where it comes into where people struggle with the most is at nighttime. Because you know, you think about what time are you eating dinner? And then what time are you going to bed? If you're eating earlier around 5 or 5.30 and you're going to bed at 11, yeah, you're probably going to need a snack somewhere in between that. But what are you eating at that snack time? Because for most of us, we're not pulling out the veggie tray at eight o'clock, nine o'clock. But if you think about what is your activity between that snack and by the time you go to bed, 
most of us aren't doing anything. We're watching TV, we're on our phones, we're on the computer, but we're very sedentary. But yet we're putting in enough fuel as if we're driving across country. That's such a great analogy. I love the gas like kind of planning because it makes sense, right? And it makes us kind of think about it in a completely different way that detaches us from all of the other things that attach to food. Now, when you're talking about this, I know that you also kind of talk about using different parts of your brain. How does that fit in? So I have yet to meet somebody or at least meet one of my clients that are successful winging it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yet that is how we approach eating for the majority of people. Like I'll, I had a client yesterday and I said, Oh, what's for dinner tonight? She's like, Oh, I don't know yet. And I looked at her and I was like, that's the wrong answer. And I was kind of messing with her and joking around, but that's the wrong answer. If I'm being serious, because so many of us are like, Oh, I'll just figure it out when I get to dinner. The problem is, is when we get to dinner, you know, there's a lot of things going on. You know, usually at that time in my house, I've got kids that are going to practice. Sometimes I'm even working or my husband's working. And so, you know, we're by ourselves trying to do all the things. So I'm not really in the right frame of mind to, oh, I'm going to prepare this great healthy meal that everyone's going to love and it's going to be wonderful. A lot of times I'm like, okay, what gets the job done if I'm trying to wing it? And so when I talk about being successful part, it always comes with a plan. So there's two parts of our brain. So the front of our brain, we call the prefrontal cortex. And this is the part of our brain that is responsible for our goals, for forward thinking, for logic, for consequences. This is the part of the brain we want to use as often as possible when it comes to nutrition and our health, because it always keeps our goals at the forefront. But we also have a part of our brain in the back called the midbrain. Some people like to call this the toddler brain because this part of the brain will always make decisions based on pain avoidance and immediate gratification. When we ask ourselves a question like, what do we want for dinner tonight? The problem is our midbrain or the toddler brain always answers first. So I want you to imagine like you're, you're teaching a classroom of first graders and you ask them a question. What do we want for dinner tonight? I want you to imagine the girl in the front row with her hand raised, bouncing in her seat saying, me, 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 pick me. I know the answer. Pick me. That's your midbrain saying, let's go for something quick and easy. Let's go for pizza. Let's just do takeout tonight. Let's just, you know, make something fast that gets the job done so we can move on to the next thing. When we try to wing it, we are always engaging the midbrain. But when we come up with a plan ahead of time, we're always using the prefrontal cortex, the part of the brain that has your goals in mind. So I am a big fan of planning. Now, this is where people can get a little too far ahead of themselves and get overwhelmed and shut down because they try to plan for the whole week. Okay, I'm going to plan all my meals this week. I'm going to plan all my breakfast and my snacks and my lunch. And I love their enthusiasm, but that gets overwhelming really quickly, especially when you plan something and the first night you have to abort because, you know, you had to stay late at the office or you had to go run a kid somewhere you weren't expecting. And so the minute our plan falls apart, we think, oh, well, I guess it's not going to work. And then we give up and we go back to winging it. I don't know if that sounds familiar. Oh, yeah. If you've ever oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. 100%. Hey, I have some exciting news for you. Recently, I updated our free course, Weekly Success Planning, and I cannot wait for you to take it. 
The new version is shorter, simpler, and designed to get you implementing this cornerstone system in your life right away. Weekly success planning is more than just planning the meals and cleaning the house. It is literally setting you and your family up for success for the week ahead. It's about being proactive to reduce stress and increase the feeling of balance, however you define it. This course is totally free and you can get it for yourself at yourliferocks.com. Enjoy. Oh, don't forget to go get the free course. Do it right now. Yourliferocks.com weekly success planning and get started today. So I'm a big fan of what we call the 24-hour plan, where we just plan just for the day. Now, I will be honest. I'll back up a second. I plan my dinners when I do my grocery shopping because for me, that just makes sense to make sure that I have all the ingredients in my home so I can make the dinners that I want to prepare without having to run to the store because I'm missing an ingredient. So I do plan my dinners ahead of time. For me personally, I plan like four or five meals at a time because I go to the grocery store every four to five days. That's how much room I have for food in my house before my kids deplete all of it. (laughs) So I am going to the store maybe a little bit more frequently than some other people, but I plan my dinners and you know that way I know what we're having. I always have my calendar in front of me when I plan my dinners because I want to know who's working, who has to be run around. You know, I even look at the weather sometimes because when it's hot, nobody feels like eating soup. And when it's cold, nobody wants a salad. So I try to balance it with what the temperature looks like it's going to be. So we don't call an audible and be like, eh, I don't want this. I'm going to get something else. It's really important to plan meals that you like and you will eat. Otherwise, you will always search for a different, more pleasurable experience. I had a client last week. And we were talking about this and she's like, oh, like when I write fish on the meal plan and we always end up going for pizza instead. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) stop putting fish on your meal plan. You're not using it. (laughs) But yet she's like, well, but it's healthy. I'm like, it doesn't matter how healthy it is if you're eating pizza every time. It's not about the bright, shiny plan. It's about the plan you're actually going to follow. So I plan my dinners ahead of time. But every morning, I actually have a routine. Um, My routine is I wake up in the morning. Very first thing I do after I go to the bathroom is I read my Bible and I journal because I want to make sure that my mind is in a really good space and that I fill myself up so I can fill others and help them. So that's just a discipline I've always been used to doing. But in my journal, I will actually create just, you know, takes me 30 seconds. This is really important. It should not take you more than a minute because if it's daunting or overwhelming or it becomes a chore, you're going to quit. So we need to do things that are are quick, get that quick win and then move on with our day. But I literally will write out... For me, I eat four times a day. I do breakfast, lunch, snack, and then dinner. Sometimes I'll do a snack after dinner. But in my journal, I literally write the letters B-L-S-D, breakfast, lunch, snack, dinner. Okay, has to be quick. I don't even write the words out. And then I write out what my plan is for the day. I take 30 seconds to think about it. So that way, when it becomes time to eat, I don't have the struggle of trying to come up with the what. I just have to follow my plan. That's so brilliant because I think that sometimes when we don't have that plan, like we think like, oh, I've got stuff for breakfast and I've got stuff for lunch or, you know, whatever. But then when it comes time to it, if you're really stressed or there's something else going on, that toddler brain speaks really loud. And sometimes it's like chips and gummy bears. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And it makes sense in the moment because you're like, I don't have time to make this. I just have to do this. 
the problem is, you know, when you create that plan, you have your best interest in mind. So you, when you look at that plan, you're also looking at, all right, where am I going to be? Do I have to pack a snack? Versus, well, I'll just figure it out when I get there. If you realize that you're not doing a great job figuring it out when you get there, you need to come up with a plan ahead of time. That's good. That is so, so good. I've never really heard anyone talk about using the different parts of your brain in that way. And it makes so much sense. And I can kind of even just see past patterns of my own choices. You know, when you you have a plan and you have your goals and this is what you want to do. And then, you know, it's been a really long, stressful day and you're like, but I deserve to have this. And that's totally a toddler reaction versus, you know, something that, that actually makes sense for your goals. I love that you kind of break it down that way. Now, let's talk a little bit back about the physical hunger, because, you know, as you were talking about those different things and thinking about the different parts of the brain that we use to make those choices, I was remembering, you know, times in the past when I was making choices based off of more emotional eating or, you know, just lack of time and and just doing something quick and easy for the family. So talk to us a little bit about how we can recognize those physical hungers versus some of the emotional reactions that we have and responses with food. Well, and I think it's, I always tell people, this is actually one of the most important questions you're ever going to ask yourself before you eat is, am I hungry? And I want you to ask yourself that question every time you eat, because if you get in the habit of asking yourself when things are good, it will actually help you better identify when you're in a state where things are not so good, when you're emotional. I always have to laugh at those lists that we've all read hundreds of times. Like, you know, if you're bored, read a book instead. If you need a coping strategy, go listen to music, go play with a dog, go for a walk. And they're all great coping strategies. The problem is we're not thinking clearly in the moment when we're emotional. If I was thinking clearly, I wouldn't need the coping strategy. So when you're in a moment, you're not thinking of playing with a dog and going (laughs) for a walk. You're thinking, how do I make this uncomfortable feeling go away as quick as possible? Meanwhile, the toddler brain has his hand raised saying, oh, pick me. We eat, we eat. That's what we do when things get hard. We're not thinking about alternative methods. If we're thinking clearly, we would be able to sidestep them. So I always try to recommend get in the habit of asking yourself, am I hungry? even when things are good. Because how are you supposed to know and remember to do it when things are bad if you're not in the habit of doing it when things are good? Mm, so, that's good. so ask yourself, am I hungry? But here's the thing. What is physical hunger? So physical hunger uh, has a lot to do with blood sugar. And when your blood sugar drops, it's your body's way of trying to get your attention to eat so you can change that. So physical hunger can be one of many things. It can be a growling stomach. It can be a nauseous pit, a feeling of hollowness and emptiness. It can be lightheaded, dizzy, headaches, irritability, right? The whole Snickers commercial, hangry. It can be shaky where your body physically shakes. It can be trouble concentrating, trouble thinking of words. These are all signs of physical hunger as a direct relation to low blood sugar. Now... Most people will assume that their physical hunger cue is a growling stomach just because that's what we've always heard or read. I'll tell you for me, growling stomach is never a hunger cue for me. So I like for people to really like kind of tune into their body and figure out what is your hunger cue? Do you get one? Do you get multiple? I'll say that most people will get an early cue and they'll also get a late cue. 
very different. Usually the late cue has more urgency and intensity behind it because the blood sugar is really getting too low at that point and your body's sending all the uncomfortable signals. But it's really helpful to know what your hunger cue is. So when you ask yourself the question, am I hungry? You know exactly what you're looking for. Mm, That's good. Most people will say like, am I hungry? Sure, I'm hungry. But they're not even doing a check-in. They're not doing a body scan to see if those cues are present. They're just assuming because they thought about food, there must be a physical hunger behind it. Right. So it's like different than like hunger versus, yeah, I could eat. Right. Because most of us, you know, especially if people are struggling with weight or they're trying to lose weight, the reason why people are overweight, if we break it down, is they're either eating when they're not hungry or they're overeating past fullness. I mean, that's usually one of the two reasons. So we want to make sure that, you know, if you're going to fuel yourself, is there an actual reason behind it? Is a physical hunger present? And that's not to say that you can never eat food just because you want to or you see it. But in terms of really taking care of our health, we want to make sure that a physical hunger is the reason so food can be the answer. So let me ask you this question. So we talked about like, you know, proactively planning breakfast, lunch, snack, dinner. And then now we're talking about those hunger cues. So what if it comes time for breakfast, lunch, snack, or dinner, and we check in with ourselves and we're not really hungry? Do we just skip that meal or do we still proactively eat knowing that, well, I'm probably not hungry now, but I probably will be soon. So I should just do it now. That's a great question. And I think that's all circumstantial. So like for me, when I'm with clients and I am, you know, back to back with clients all day, If I don't eat at that snack, what is the chances that I'll be able to eat later? It may not be there because I'll be with a client and I can't stop my session to say, excuse me, my hunger cues are present. Now I can go eat. Um, (laughs) So I will probably, I would still eat then. I probably would just eat something smaller if my hunger cue isn't there. But I would also be looking at what did I eat previously? Did I, you know, eat more than what I needed? And that's why I'm not hungry at the next section. Or is it just happens to be I'm not hungry. And so I'll just eat something smaller at that point because I know I do still need fuel to get through the next chunk of my day because I won't have an opportunity to eat if I do good. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of going back to the car and the gas analogy that we were talking about before. So it's almost like, you know, you're coming up on an exit. You don't necessarily need gas, but you know, there's not going to be another gas station for like 100 miles. So you might as well pull over and just, you know, fill up. Yeah, exactly. And then there's times where, you know, sometimes I wake up and I'm not hungry. Usually I am. But (laughs) I find though that if you're overeating at night, it usually doesn't transfer over to hunger in the morning. So I've noticed that pattern within myself. Why am I not hungry in the morning? Oh, because we went and got ice cream last night with the kids. That's probably why I'm not as hungry first thing in the morning if when if I don't have a snack at night. But yes, if I'm not hungry and I have, I know I have the opportunity to still eat because I'm working from home that day or whatever, I'll just wait. I'll wait an hour or wait a half an hour and see if those physical hunger cues actually, you know, were they just delayed or were they not there to begin with? But if I'm working, I will tend to keep on the schedule because opportunities are far and few between to eat. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Now, when it comes time for meals, I know you could really talk about just kind of setting up an environment for yourself to eat. So talk to us a little bit about the importance of that. So one of my favorite tips to talk to people about 
is the importance of mindfulness because so much of our eating is an afterthought, but yet we have a lot of guilt. We have a lot of shoulds around what our eating should look like and what our weight should look like. And a lot of this, as we learn in other facets of our careers and and other things that we do is there needs to be a mindfulness piece to this. Paying attention to what you're doing. Do you even like what you're doing? It plays so much a role in our decision-making, our eating speed, our pleasure, because there's three things that I always talk about. How do you know you found your way? You know, Does it work? Is it sustainable? But the third one is, do you like it? I think so many of us are doing things we don't even like. And of course, if we don't like it, we're not going to stick with it. So actually deriving pleasure from your food is an important piece to this. But if you're not paying attention to what you're eating, you're not going to get that full benefit and then your brain's going to want to do over. So I am a big fan of whenever you eat, I want you to eat at the table from a plate and preferably a ceramic plate, which I know most people will be like, no, I want to eat on my paper plates. It's so much easier. But the reason why I want you to eat off of a ceramic plate is because there's intention behind it. You're going to have to do a dish. You're going to have to wash that dish. Or if you're at a party, think about when you're at a party and everybody just kind of picks. Imagine if you had to ask your host for a ceramic plate to eat those five pretzel sticks. More times than not, you're not going to get a ceramic plate that you have to wash for five pretzel sticks. You're like, why would I do that? I can just pop them in my mouth. Well, if you're not willing to get a plate for your food, how hungry are you? Are you really? Oh, that's so good. So I use the ceramic plate test. If you're not willing to get a ceramic plate to put whatever you want to eat in your mouth, you're probably not hungry. You're just eating out of boredom or because you see the food and it's there and you want it. That is so good. Like, I think that that just kind of blew my mind a little bit because I think we're so used to just grabbing a handful of this or like you were mentioning before, picking as you're making dinner and and kind of as you're moving throughout the day, where if you think about putting all of that on a plate first, it like one is a visual that's completely different because I think sometimes we forget how many little picks or handfuls or, you know, that we are throwing in our mouth. But then for two, it kind of is like, is it worth it? to put it on a plate and then put it in your mouth. And it just changes your whole way that you're you're looking at what you're eating. Yeah, I say where, where people struggle a lot is say when you're at weddings, right? And it's cocktail hour. And if I were to ask you, what did you eat during cocktail hour? Most people would give me a blank stare. I, I don't know. I was picking at this, picking at that. I was like, do you know who does know exactly what they ate at cocktail hour? It's the 90-year-old women who sat at a table and somebody fixed them a plate and they sat down and they ate you know, whatever their hors d'oeuvres or their appetizers were. For most of us, when we're picking and grabbing, which especially if we're busy and we're on the run and we're just kind of snacking as we go, there's no recollection of what we did. And on top of that, there's no pleasure because we're shoving it in as we're working or we're shoving it in while we're driving. And we're, we say we like food so much, but we're not really enjoying the experience because we're distracted. So sitting down at a table with a ceramic plate, that shows intention and purpose. And you'll actually find that your pleasure from the meal increases when you eat that way versus trying to multitask. I don't know about you. I used to always write on my resumes or in interviews. I'd be like, Oh, I'm great at multitasking. 
I don't know if that just went out the window with kids or what, but I'm a terrible multitasker. (laughs) (laughs) Multitasking while you're eating is equally disruptive. It just, it doesn't work. Ah, so, so true. Oh my gosh. Well, Adrienne, you've shared so many great tips with us. I think the different perspective on eating and fueling ourselves that you provided in this episode is so valuable. And I just thank you so much for your generosity and sharing this knowledge with all of us. Now, before we let you go, being that you are a busy working mom yourself, what tips do you have for all of us working moms, just in general, any parting tips for success in our health? Yeah. So a couple things, like based off of even what we talked about today, you know, when we talk about proactive eating and you said, where do we even start and how to just start with breakfast, right? Just start at the beginning of your day and start to pay attention to what foods fill you up for about three hours. And I'll be honest, that changes daily for me when I'm at work and I'm sitting in my chair talking with clients all day. I don't need as much fuel as when I'm off running around with the kids trying to do all the appointments. And you know, on those days, I need more fuel because I'm more active. So I don't want you to get discouraged if what you eat one day fills you up and another day it doesn't. You know, always take into consideration what is your activity level. That may be a factor in, in what volume satisfies you. And then just start even asking yourself those questions. What does physical hunger feel like in my body? So that when you ask yourself the question, you know what you're looking for. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Well, I know that you have a podcast. You have so many other great resources to help women all over the place with their health. What's the best place for people to connect with you and to learn more about what you do? I do have a podcast called Nourish, Eat, Repeat, and that's on all the platforms. It's actually based off of the book I wrote in 2019 called Nourish, Eat, Repeat, A Busy Woman's Guide to a Healthier body, mind, and lifestyle. So that's available on Amazon. Basically, I take the humorous stories of raising five kids because we all have them. If (laughs) You don't need five kids. You can just have one and you're going to have stories to tell. Oh, yeah. Um, But I just got a lot of crazy stories of, you know, for example, taking my twin girls into a porta potty. I'll just let you create whatever visual you want (laughs) and I'll let you know all of it happened. So, you know, I take stories like that, that we can all relate to, and I turn them into nutrition lessons. And then at the end of each chapter, they're very short chapters. Think chicken soup for the soul, quick chapters, because we're busy. We don't have time to write, to read 40 page chapters. We need two or three pages at a time. But at the end of each chapter, I include what we call two five-star recipes because five out of five of my kids will eat it. So there's a chance if you've got kids or family members that are picky and you're not quite sure where to start in terms of healthy recipes, there's probably something in there that your family would enjoy as well. So that's another resource that could be helpful. And then finally, if you're on social media or my website, everything is bodymetricshealth.com or at bodymetricshealth because that is the business uh, that, like I said, I in the beginning, that's the business I own with my husband. So it's all there. Beautiful. And we will link to all of those things that she mentioned in our show notes. You can check that out at yourliferocks.com. Thank you so much for joining us for this interview and, and for all of this great information. And I'm just so glad that you are following God's calling on your life and everything that you're doing and that he's really using you to bless so many other people through your work. And, you know, it takes courage to follow when he says to go in a certain direction. And I'm just so thankful that you did because it's definitely blessed a lot of people. I've been blessed from our conversation today. I know our audience is going to be blessed as well. So thank you so much for everything that you do. 
Thank you for having me. It's, it's my pleasure. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me today. Just because the show is over doesn't mean we have to stop hanging out. Hit subscribe and dive into another episode or jump on over to my YouTube channel for more content to help you thrive as a working mom. Ready to get into action? You can find a number of resources at yourliferocks.com, including the free weekly success planning course. Sign up for free at yourliferocks.com. Talk to you soon.